What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is Jason W. Brooks from Las Vegas, New Mexico, and I would never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. everybody welcome to the show thank you for joining us episode 654 of i doubt it with dollamore i'm your host jesse dollamore and today i'm joined by the lovely the talented and the scholarly Brittany page did you know that we have a p.o box i do know that you knew that <laughs> well we have one you're a funny guy and we've we've talked about this recently actually but you never know when we have new listeners that haven't been listening to the show so i feel like that's right we need to repeat things quite often in order to ensure people are in the loop but well let me start my name's jesse dollamore i'm Brittany page this is i doubt it with dollamore it's a podcast <laughs> not that much repetition is that what you're talking about uh anyway so the <laughs> p.o box was necessary because of death threats that is why we initially got it. That's right. But what it has turned into is... From my adoring army of fans out there... To send you gifts. Death threats. No, the the death threats. Oh, well, what I'm saying is it has turned into gifts. Yeah, a funnel for booze to be sent. Yeah. Which happens infrequently, but it happens. Yeah, and and books and things like that. You just got a book. I did. Do you want to say who the book is from? Yeah, there was a little note. It was sent from Amazon, but we... Every month we have Patreon hangout calls. For for the Patreon supporters. That is right. Who are in a certain tier. That's right. So we, and it's not like a, like a live stream on YouTube where you just sit and then you chat in a window and a type and then we talk. Right. It's a conversation. It's, it's a face-to-face thing. Yeah. And so a first timer on the call, mm-hmm. Brian, who lives in China, which mm-hmm. was fucking fantastic. Well, it was perfect timing given the coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, perfect timing because we wanted to talk about that. Yeah, for sure. With him. Not maybe <laughs> perfect timing. It was perfect timing for them to be for in him China to right be, now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we got to talking about, <coughs> excuse me, the death of democracy. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, He's a little bit more doom and gloom than I am. As everyone knows, I'm more of an optimist. And good for you. Yeah, it's more my fault than I'm an... It's not my fault, but it is a fault, I think, sometimes. <laughs> I, well, some people think, think it's too much. I'm too much of an optimist. Okay. You think... I mean, that's, that's fair. I just think it's... 
I don't know, when you were starting to talk about how it's not positive that you're an optimist, I started thinking of like interview status when they're like, what's your biggest weakness? And you're like, oh, I'm a perfectionist. I get all my work done. I'm super on top of it. And you're wondering. I just care too much. Right? When is this going to turn into a weakness? (laughs) It sounded a little like that. So I'm glad you you got specific with it. Yeah. So anyway, Brian... We talked about this, and he he talked about this book, how how democracies die, and um, it is written by Stephen Levitsky and Daniel Zilblatt. And Brian wrote this little note, or he had Steve Be- uh, Jeff Bezos write this little note. Mm-hmm. Hi, Jesse. This is the book that I told you about on the <laughs> Patreon call. Enjoy and let me know your thoughts after you've read it f- from Brian. Very nice. So I will most certainly do that. I have not had time yet to be- to begin the book. Yeah. But anytime a book gets sent, unless you send a giant box of books, mm-hmm. like Kelly from New England did that time. Yes. I have not read all those. Mm-hmm. I've started a couple of them, mm-hmm. but they are on the list. Well, we also want to give a shout out to Josephine, who was on with Brian. Yes. I believe on the call as well. So hello. We hope you are both safe and healthy. Coronavirus free. Yes. Sans virus. So I also received something and... At the same P.O. Box, which by the way, is P.O. Box 15822, (laughs) Newport Beach, California, 92659. Holy (laughs) shit. 92659. So if you choose to send booze illegally through the United States Postal Service... Don't do that. We will receive it. Don't do that. It is not proper. Do it the legal way. It is against the rules. Through FedEx. They, you cannot send FedEx to a P.O. box. Okay. I guess there's no way around that. <laughs> well, some people have found a way. So. Through chicanery. I got a gift as well. And I'm going to read it before I show it. Like you were showing yours off. Yeah. Vanna White over there. When I say it's you I like... I'm talking about that part of you that knows that life is far more than anything you can ever see or hear or touch. That deep part of you that allows you to stand for those things without which humankind cannot survive. Love that conquers hate, peace that rises triumphant over war, and justice that proves more powerful than greed. Ah. A Mr. Rogers quote. That's fantastic. It's so beautiful. And I am, this didn't come with a name on it. And I'm. We don't know. Yeah, I'm so sad. It's because, an anonymous gift. Yeah, so I want to know who sent it. Please step forward. Please only take credit <laughs> for it if you did actually send it. You know, it's the same artist as the um, the print of Ruth Bader Ginsburg behind you. Oh, really? Same artist. Okay. Yeah. Well, could it be. Timothy Joy. Okay. All right. Timothy Joy. Well, good. Yeah. I love Mr. Rogers. I love this gift. It's going to look great on either this wall or or another wall. That is right. We'll see. It will be displayed. It will be displayed. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. So thanks, you guys. We Listen, we we love the treats. We love surprises. Um, We love welcome surprises Mm -hmm. in the P.O. Box. Yeah. Don't send us anything homemade. So. (laughs) Don't send food items that are homemade. That's the rule. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't send food items don't, that are homemade. We Don't send us some fucking greeting card Ugh. that's homemade. Pop, I just did something to my foot in a very abrupt way. Sorry. It, it's startling. Yeah, I guess. Um, So someone sent us muffins one time. And 
they were from Cleveland, which is already kind of a red flag. And <laughs> I... What, are you taking my role on the show? I'm just kidding. It's I know it would be a joke that people like, so I said it. Um, <laughs> I, But we also didn't know the person very yeah. well that they came from. And listen, it's a risk. That's not getting eaten. That's a risk. No fucking way. You know, with everything that, that has been said and that has been sent more yeah. your way than my yeah. way but like you know the death threats and everything we're not gonna well, eat well also they see me and they think oh that guy's gonna fucking he's gonna eat those muffins yeah I he's mean, gonna get down on those muffins we're not gonna eat the <laughs> muffins that are filled with the powder uh, that I cannot think of you sound like Bill Cosby right now with the powder <laughs> <laughs> we don't wanna get Bill Cosby'd by muffins is ultimately what we're saying exactly yeah, you got that. So I want to transition into more of a depressing topic, oh, which is right? Harvey Weinstein. Oh yeah. But I also want to give you credit for this one, and I don't know if you have the tooting of your horn on the thing. Oh, of course. I always have the tooting of the horns at the ready, Brittany Page. So we were watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, the new uh, I'm season. I'm eager to hear why I'm right or the, how I am right. The new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Or how credit should be given to me. When Jeff Garland, and this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler. So if you don't want to have a spoiler of the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, it's very minor. Skip but Skip ahead two minutes. Yeah, skip it's ahead. A, and it's also not a spoiler. Well, anyway, you get very pissed off very easily about spoilers. So I'm just trying to. Just about spoilers, Brittany. Yeah. So Jeff Garland looks like Harvey Weinstein on this episode mm-hmm. of Curb on the premiere of the new season. And it's by design. It's by design. But what was interesting is as soon as they showed him on screen, you were like, oh, my God, he looks like Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And then right after that happened, it was a character in the show noticed it and said, "You, he, he's Harvey Weinstein. He's, yeah. And then yeah. it was like a getting, theme. He started getting attacked by people. Right. But you like called it out right away, which I thought was impressive. Well, but, it means they did a good job of, of writing the episode and having him uh, look like fucking Harvey Weinstein. That's true. But, Except he wasn't a decrepit, pushing along in his walker. Exactly. Faking ass, fake ass, fake. Uncle June. Like Uncle June on The Sopranos with his oxygen mask. Ugh. I don't know. What's going on around me? My back. <laughs> My back. All of a sudden, when I'm on trial, it's everything sucks for me right now. It's what happens. You get caught being a fu- filthy fucking rapist, and then all of a sudden, uh, but so I'm infirmed, y'all. For people who don't, for people who don't know what's going on, uh, Harvey Weinstein is on trial in New York, yeah. and... Ever since the trial began, he has been appearing with a walker. Yeah. All of a sudden. People are having to carry him into the courtroom. He does look bad, but... Yeah, but he also... He's always looked bad. He's... I mean, it's worse. He's a decrepit <laughs> fucking gargoyle of a human being. So there could be a lot of explanations for it in addition to like having makeup artist from the Miramax team. I don't know yeah, what right. else could be going on. He but does own a movie production company. Does he still? I don't... I, I, they gotta be changing the name. Yeah, so... The Weinstein Company is like how there's no more people with the last name of Hitler anymore. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? There's, yeah, we're not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. We're gonna call us Smith. We're fucking Smith now. So if if uh, if there's a Smith Company that props up, eh, it'll probably be that. Yeah, so... It's it's fake, right? I think everyone understands that. And how about this? Even if it's not, 
who fucking cares? He's a rapist. Now he's a gimpy rapist. Allegedly. Yes, yes. Allegedly. I don't we have a new board. I don't have the allegedly okay. clips. All right. Well, it's allegedly. So let's make sure that we say that. And also his defense attorney was on the daily today. Oh, that is and right. And if you have not listened to it, I would recommend that you listen to it with a caveat here. Ensure that you are in a place where you can have intermittent outbursts of rage and scream because I was listening to it this morning while I was getting ready for work and I was periodically saying, Jesus Christ, like just yelling Jesus Christ because it was so frustrating to listen to. But one of the things she talked about was this performance, as people are calling it, with the canes and the walker and the being carried in. And she's like, listen, people are talking about how this is fake, but it's not. You can actually see how he looks much worse. Like he visibly looks worse. Well, she's she's part of the team, the legal team, the defense mechanism that is going to have him do that. That's trying to sell it to the public. Absolutely. I wonder what the thought was, assuming that it's totally fake. Just let's make believe, folks, allegedly, to keep us in legal, out of legal jeopardy. (laughs) Can you say that and still have it work, allegedly? Yeah. If you're on a legal team that is that is at the at the the tip of the spear to to strategize this and organize this as being something to manipulate uh, a jury's uh, compassion for this alleged rapist, alleged. What was the decision between Walker, which he's using, and wheelchair? Like, you'd think that a wheelchair would solicit more sympathy from a jury, but they went with Walker. It has to be... Because if he's that bad off and you look at him, like if you had a grandpa that was walking around like Harvey Weinstein is, you'd be like, just get that guy a wheelchair, man. That's one of the reasons I don't buy it. Well, because he looks extra pathetic scooting that fucking thing along. Well, I also said to the public, right? I didn't specify to the jury. And the reason that I said that is because in this podcast, you can tell that this defense attorney is thinking on more of a broad scale, right? It's not just trying to shape public opinion, public opinion, right? It's not just having him not be found guilty in the courtroom, right, on criminal charges. It's also, she's very concerned about, she's represented many men who have been accused of sexual assault. And what her concern is, is how do they restore their reputation even after coming out of the courtroom having not been found guilty? She wants him exonerated and rehabilitated relative to his his public persona. Right. So yeah. it's not just a performance for the courtroom. It's a performance for when he's walking into the courtroom and all the reporters are taking his picture yeah. and asking him how he's feeling and all that stuff. But what I found most problematic on the episode, and again, I would recommend you listen to the entire thing. The defense attorney was interviewed by Megan Tui, Megan Tui, I believe, and she is the one who worked with Jody Cantor of the New York Times to break the Weinstein story. And she's interviewing her, and there were many different points at which it was contentious, but toward the end is when it was the worst because you can tell they're like trying to wrap things up, right? Were there any other questions that I was going to ask? Blah, 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 right? Talking to the staff. And then she remembers, oh, I was going to ask one more question. Well, 
Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Donna. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I appreciate it, too. Are there any question? Any other questions, guys? I know that was that was a long one. That's right. Oh, and I, I actually I had another question, which was whether or not you've been sexually assaulted. I have not. Okay, I have not. Because but, I would never put myself in that position. So you're saying? You, okay, actually, I'm sorry. So so you're saying that you you're saying that you have never been sexually assaulted because you would never put yourself in the position of being sexually assaulted? No, I've always made choices from college age on where I I never drank too much. I never went home with someone that I didn't know. I never, I just never put myself in any vulnerable circumstance. Wow. Do you believe that Every woman who's been sexually assaulted somehow put herself in that position, whether it was having drinks or agreeing to go to a hotel room. Absolutely not. But just as we make smart decisions when we walk out on the street at night, I think you have to make the same decisions when you're putting yourself in circumstances with other people. When we walk out at night, we look around, we make sure we have our phone. Some people take mace. We take precautions. And all I'm saying is, is that women should take precautions. Do you think it's possible for women to take all of those precautions and still be sexually assaulted, to still be pulled into a dark alley, to still be— Totally different conversation. To to still— Totally. Being pulled into a dark alley is a totally different conversation. So you are talking about sexual assault, women being sexually assaulted by somebody they know? Correct. Correct, she says. I'm positive there. But that wasn't the specifier on the question. Yeah. Well, what she's doing is— there's different kinds of rape. But but even so, and this is something that actually frustrated me about this exchange, and I think it was because it was an emotionally charged one, so you're not necessarily thinking straight, but that specifier wasn't added on to the original question. Yes, so right. you could have quickly just brought it back around and said, listen, my question for you was, let's just play it back, right? Have you ever been sexually assaulted? No, I have not, because I've never put myself in that situation. That's right. There was no specifier of, have you ever been sexually assaulted in a stranger danger type situation or have you ever been sexually assaulted by someone that you knew well right there were no specifiers on that flat general sexual assault right and she answered because i've never put myself in that situation period it continues do you think it's possible for women to be sexually assaulted by somebody that they know even if they've taken precautions? Sure. Anything's possible, Megan. It's, it's not about what's possible. Anything's it's about possible. trying to, again, minimize the risk. If you go out on a date with someone and you go out for dinner and you go out for drinks and you know them sort of and, you know, you're, you're sort of maybe developing a relationship with them and you make a choice to go into their home at the end of the night, what do you think could potentially happen? And if you're not prepared for what could potentially happen, I think we're kidding ourselves. And then to leave and say, I had no idea that this person would maybe try to 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 be sexual with me or have a sexual advance, I think is naive. I Pause again. So I'm assuming she has the same kind of like philosophical perspective on cars. Yeah. Right? If, if you get into a car accident, yeah. well, don't get mad, right? Yeah. You got into that car... And you knew that an accident was at least somewhat inevitable. It it, it seems to me that even her discussing the fact that she has to take precautions means that she can't say that she's never put herself in that situation. Taking precautions, it, it just, it solicits, 
it leads to the fact that you're putting yourself in a situation. Because let, let's put it this way. If you're walking through a dark parking lot and you get your mace out, having the mace means you're in a situation. Taking the precaution of the mace means you're in it. You've put yourself in a situation where something bad could happen. We, so we do she's that. just not being intellectually honest. Well, here. yeah, we do that all day long, every day, right? With everything we, we, we wouldn't do. go out of the house. Yeah, right. I mean, you're taking on risk with anything. Yeah, all the time. I mean, to say that you need to think about whether or not to go into someone's home, and then you shouldn't act surprised if something happens. Like what? That 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 somehow because you went home with somebody that you assumed was going to be respectful and that you were going to have a loving relationship with yeah. or whatever the fucking situation might be right that then they rape you a crime has occurred well, what she's saying there is that by the act of going home with the man you that is the consent there that's the moment of consent is just going home with him because what would you think was going to happen? It's such a strange thing to hear a woman talk about. Yeah. Well, a defender of rapists. that That's what she is. She, yeah, she's a woman for sure. But she makes a living defending rapists. Accused rapists. You think she's never lost a case? I mean, I don't know the record, but again, I'm just trying to... <laughs> Come on now. With I, the... I feel safe saying she's a defender of rapists. I mean, I don't know her record, but... Yeah. Just for the show purposes. Alleged. For the love of God, for it, the show. It continues. Yeah. Can't help but feel like you continue to place the burden of safety on on women, on, on potential victims in general. Should the burden rest on them or should it rest on the perpetrators. I think I think it should rest equally. And you know, we've moved this conversation so far away from what we were talking about. But if if you all right, another pause. But it's not equal, right? If she's saying that if you agree to go home with someone, what did you think was going to happen? Or I'm sorry, you can't be surprised by what might happen yeah. is the phrasing that she well, used. Well, first of all, the, the the burden of safety should be on the victim and the 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 violent violator equally. That's saying, yeah, there's blame on both sides. Both sides here. Yeah, she was raped, but her skirt was too short. She flirted with him a little too much. That's what this is. That's that's the the logical conclusion of her thought process. Yeah, but I so I'm even moving it out further or or backward, right? Because I don't. So I don't think they're necessarily talking about women, a woman being with a rapist. I think they're just right now talking about a woman being with a man. Right. And the, and the potential risk associated with okay, that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Because a woman doesn't know. Right. Right. And so she's saying, because you don't know, right, you should never put yourself in situations in which you could even have a risk of this happening. Don't right? go to the grocery store. Don't get gas. Don't leave your house. Right. Well, even in your house alone, there's a risk. Right. So what I mean, are you going to do? That's what I'm talking about. I mean, you talked about theft, right? You could be robbed at any moment. I, Car accidents. You could get into a car crash. I mean, there's so many risks in life. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if you live in such a way where you're trying to eliminate risk from your life, you're Reuben Pfeffer on Along Came Polly, right? 
and you're having you're having a tum time in a bathroom with beautiful Jennifer Aniston in her underwear, and it's, it's ruining your life. You're using her loofah sponge to plunge the toilet that her grandma gave her. <laughs> yeah. Listen, anytime you can cram a Reuben Pfeffer yeah. in there, it's a good time. This does continue, by the way, and it doesn't get any better. Go out with someone. You know, you can't have it both ways. We can't have things like Tinder, where people swipe right and go meet whoever they meet, and most of the time those are sexual interactions, and then say... You know what? I, I went out with them, and I went to their their house, and I, I, you know, we, you know, we were flirting or kissing or whatever. And then, say, I had no idea that he may want to do this. You, you, I had, I had no idea that he might want to rape me. You can't expect to be on Tinder and swipe right, everybody. You can't do that and expect not to get raped. That is what she just said. That is what the attorney for Weinstein just said. That you can't expect to be on, on, on Tinder and go home with a guy and expect not to be raped. Again, she keeps going back to this like surprise thing, right? You can't be surprised if something like this happens to you when you're using Tinder. And it's, I mean, what world is this woman living in? The, the, the world where you defend accused serial Rape. Well, I want to get to the 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 solution that she has for everybody. Here we go. You know what? I, I went out with them and I went to their their house and I, I you know we you know we were flirting or kissing or whatever and then say I had no idea that he may want to do this. You 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 just can't have it both ways. So I'm saying that women need to be very clear about their intentions. I think women need to be very um, prepared for the circumstances they put themselves in, and I think. Absolutely, women should take on equal risk that men are taking on. And the responsibility should be equal as well. Is there anything that you think that men need to do differently? Sure. I think men also need to be very clear about their intentions. And if I was a man in today's world, before I was engaging in sexual behavior with any woman today, I would ask them to sign a consent form. You you are being serious. I'm being dead serious. I'm being dead serious because how easy is it for two people to engage in behavior and a day later, two days later, five days later, 27 years later, somebody say, you know what, that's not what that was. Why not? Why not? Take all, take all of the question out of it. Make it easier on everybody. Well... Donna, thank th- Donna, thank you again for for taking so much time. I really do appreciate it. No worries. So this obviously isn't the first time that this has been brought up as a solution, right? You've heard, dudes, you, you've heard this before. Yeah, you, you heard dudes say this for yeah. millennia. Yeah, it's pro- well, that long. Well, <laughs> as long as dudes are making excuses for their bad behavior, this kind of shit has been said. How about that? Yeah, and you've heard of, you've heard it more recently with the Me Too movement, specifically from men. And this is really the first time that I'm hearing it from a woman. And again, it's just so shocking to hear her talk like this. And she has zero regard for the safety of women, right? For the risk 
opposed to women, right? And the innocence of women. She's singularly focused on men, right? Which is understandable given her field and what she works in, right? But it's just unfortunate that someone so educated and someone so capable can't find it within themselves to step out of their own experience, right? And try to recognize maybe the areas in which they need to have a little more clarity. Yeah. And for her, that area is specifically in the risks posed to women going about their days. Right? Absolutely. And I, I mean, it's just, it's so fresh and it's, it's insulting. It's insulting to women who have done everything that she talked about. Right. Yeah. Who do those things that she says. Right. Because I'm sure there are women that were sitting there listening to that and thinking, What? Yeah, that's exactly what I right? did. Women who have never drank in their lives. Yeah. Right? Or who have never blacked out at a party. Right? Uh, women who have never gone home with someone they didn't know. Right? And were still sexually assaulted. They're that's listening right. to that thinking, what? Right? And even women who have done those things. Right? Chanel Miller, the most recent case that blew up with Brock Turner. Yeah, right. right. Who, who did drink too much, who blacked out, and who was then sexually assaulted, right? We're supposed to say to her that the criminal act that was perpetrated against her is her fault. Right. Well, you shouldn't have done this. Right. What about Brock Turner That's and right. what he should have done, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if there is a frail elderly woman sitting on a park bench, right? Who's not holding her purse close to her, right? If someone steals her purse, people are going to be upset about that, right? Who did this to this woman, right? She's vulnerable. Why don't people do that same thing when they hear these stories, right? Why did someone do that to someone who was vulnerable, who couldn't protect themselves? Yeah. Instead, we say, why did you put yourself in that situation? Yeah. Well, it's... It's the same. Listen, if you park your car in your on your carport and not in your garage, and it gets broken into, nobody says, "Hey, man, what'd you expect? Mm-hmm. You should have parked it in the garage." Mm-hmm. No one says that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it is sad that uh, this is an opinion that's held by a lot by a lot of men, first of all, but also a woman mm-hmm. who defends alleged. Serial rapist. And this is who Harvey Weinstein has leading his team. Yeah. Just so you know. That's who's leading his team. Yeah. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think about this. Let's have a conversation about it. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you. By way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. So before I talk about the percentage of Americans who have heard of certain news outlets, basically before things start really popping off here... (laughs) We, are we going to do pew pew, 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 pew? We are, pew, but pew, pew, we want to give a pew. shout out to our most recent Patreon supporters. Yes. So we would like to thank Jewel. Yes. Jewel. Jewel. <laughs> Sorry, I have my mind somewhere else. And also, 
Don't know where it went, but I know it is Blizzard Fingers 35 guy. Blizzard Fingers 35 guy. He upped his pledge. just became a Patreon supporter. Right. Upped his pledge the very next week. Yes. <laughs> that, that's got to be a record. That's... That's got to be a record. It's very quick. Quick turnaround. That is Hall of Fame action right there. Yes. So thank you both. We appreciate your support very much. The other way that you could support the show is by giving money to Jeff Bezos by shopping on Amazon by going to dollamore.com slash Amazon. Now listen, as a matter of full disclosure, you're going to be giving money to like an evil genius rich guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, and he doesn't be, he doesn't pay the employees. If you're going to be giving him money anyway, use dollamore.com slash Amazon, and then we get some of the money he's gonna get. So you're actually giving him less if you use that link. But But you also want to know he doesn't pay the employees very right. well. And some of them die on the, the floor in the factory. Women have had miscarriages and while then also working. People get into car crashes trying to deliver the the packages because he's a terrible person so we just want to make sure you know that before, or do i say allegedly for that too before you go and shop at <laughs> dollamore.com slash amazon that is right yes advise consent so let's talk pew please pew 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 this is going to be interesting because i think for most of the listeners that we have they have heard of some of these news outlets that i'm going to talk about but i was shocked by some of these percentages, okay? The percentage of U.S. adults who have heard of each source for political and election news. Okay? It, they're going to be low, huh? They're, we're going to be shocked at how dumb people are? Well, just just wait, okay? All right, all right. So, for example, Breitbart. You know Breitbart. Mm-hmm. I know Breitbart. White supremacy outlet. What percentage of U.S. adults do you think have heard of Breitbart as a source for political and election news? Forty-five percent. Pretty good. Yeah. If it was the Price is Right, you would lose, though, oh, because I went over. you went over. How much over? Thirty-nine percent. I was gonna say forty-two. Wait, you, d- no, you, d- you didn't go over thirty-nine percent. The percentage is actually thirty-nine percent. No, <laughs> I was I was gonna say forty-two, but I thought it was me too specific. Mm. And then if I was close, then people would think I knew the number. Oh. so I said forty-five. Okay, so, so it's actually closer in my mind. You really got in your head, then. That's what you're saying. <laughs> How strange is that, I though? I get in my head. Yeah. 39% have heard of Breitbart, and that's that's shocking to me, but I, I can't really put my finger on why it's shocking. I shouldn't be so surprised by it, because really, you only know about Breitbart if you are like in the cesspool that is Twitter. That, the cesspool that is Twitter, or you're in the game we're in. Yes. You know, Steve Bannon used to run Breitbart after Andrew Breitbart died. Mm-hmm. It's always been a, a, a shitty, hateful, alt-right, anti-Semitic screen. That's where Ben Shapiro got his start. Mm-hmm. Dipshit well, Ben Shapiro. Let's jump there. Let's jump to the Daily Caller. Oh, right. Which is Ben Shapiro's outfit. Fewer than 39%. Okay. You want to give a more specific percentage? Uh, t- uh, t- 21%. Wow. You are very good at this. Nah. 18%. Oh, all right. I'm over, though, every time. But 18% have heard of the Daily Caller? That, yeah. again... The Daily Caller is actually not Ben Shapiro. It's uh, Tucker Carlson. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Thank yeah, you, yeah, thank yeah, you yeah. for fact-checking me. Tucker Carlson. Uh, that's shocking. Another dipshit. Another right? white supremacist dipshit. Is it is it just because, again, we are in the Twitter cesspool that we know all about the Daily Caller? Or... I think so, yeah. 
it kind of gives me some relief. I think I think the, the that vast, normal people don't know. I think the vast majority of people who don't operate in the world that we do, they're just they're MSNBC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Fox News. They're the big ones. They don't they don't traffic in the internet through this hyper partisan website media uh, sphere. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's just kind of hit a few. Vox thirty one percent. That that's low. That seems low to me. Vice thirty five percent have heard of it. That's a it's an HBO show. That's low too. Yeah. Uh, Rush Limbaugh's show fifty six percent. Of course. Ugh. Politico was interesting to me. Forty four percent have heard of Politico. Hmm. I think that that's pretty low. Fifty six percent NPR. What? Yeah, but that's NPR. That's that's all over everywhere. Every town has a almost every town you know has a has a public service or a public uh, broadcasting. Mm-hmm. The Hill, thirty-two okay. percent. Yeah, that's well. The Hill has gotten bigger. When I worked on Capitol Hill, the Hill was just a uh, like a the Hill, the, the Hill and Roll Call, hmm. which we have a copy uh, framed out in the living room. That's like was a Capitol Hill thing. But the Hill has since become more of a national, actual reporting organization. Even though they hired uh, dick faces like John Solomon, mm-hmm. who write propaganda and lies. Yeah. Anyway, so I, again, I'm appealing to that 19% that don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, I think the point <laughs> I think the point of why I wanted to talk about this is to realize that if you have heard of these, right, specifically the ones that most people have never heard of, realize that you're in a kind of media sphere that most people aren't in a bubble. And I think I just saw an article by McKay Coppins over at The Atlantic um, he's he's one of the editorial writers. Yeah, yeah. He like created fake Facebook page, a, fa- a fake Facebook page, and went and joined a bunch of pro-Trump, Make America Great Again oh, yeah. groups, and kind that of like immersed scary. himself in that world, and talked about what his experience was like having done that, and that he started to question like every headline he saw about Donald Trump hmm. after seeing all these posts and just being immersed in the culture of. Donald Trump. It's just paranoia and conspiracy and yeah. lies, just blatant, outright crazy lies. Yeah. But yeah. even on Twitter, right, you kind of cultivate your feed to look a certain sure. way. Yeah. And some people are existing in completely different media atmospheres that we don't even know what's going on over there, what's being said. Yeah, every once in a while, I'll get very frustrated because I follow like... Well, first of all, there's a Twitter account that if you want to follow everything that Donald Trump sees in his Twitter feed, I think it's at at Trump feed or at you could Google it and it'll they'll tell you what it is. But they Google, the Google, the Google, yes, those people over at the Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get frustrated. And I, I also follow Don Jr. So like everything he likes, <laughs> I get to see. I get to. Yay! Um, yeah, oh my god, it's, <laughs> it's always a, a gift. It's a joy. <laughs> and uh sometimes I get bummed out. I'm like, I'm gonna fucking unfollow that guy. But then I don't because I don't want that taken away from me. So I get to see what kind of craziness is out there. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna be in a bubble. I don't wanna be in in an odd 
just a, the microcosm of the of the news that I've curated for myself by picking who I follow on Twitter. Right. I think that's very admirable. What I would also say, though. All the compliments today just, from Brittany Page. Well, don't get used to it. Just to reassure. <laughs> that's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. Reassure was not the right words. I'm glad that you played that so I could just backpedal a little bit. <laughs> just to. Always giving you a chance. Just to go back to the point that I was trying to make. I think following two accounts that give you a glimpse into the Trump world is yeah. not enough to really get you there. You know what I mean? Well, we're still existing in very different for sure. media spaces and you get a little glimpse here and there. Right. Which I'm sure is uh, interesting for you. Yeah. Well, I see a lot. Right. I still see all of the Dave Rubin bullshit. Right. I see a lot of crazy, especially following Don Jr. Because that guy likes and retweets. I don't know how he's running a multi-million dollar business because he's fucking on Twitter 24-7. Yeah, but you still, well, he doesn't, but you still get to see Ezra Klein and... That's right, I do. Whoever else, right? The the reasonable tweets that come through your feed, you get to to be reinforced by that. There's people out there who, they have none of that. They're not seeing any of that. They're not reading any of that. For sure. I also don't follow, like, left-wing bomb throwers for the most part. I follow... Like, I don't like it, but I follow Maggie Haberman from the New York Times. I follow, like, legitimate media people who Twitter's also doing a thing now. I don't know how we got on the Twitter thing, but Twitter's also doing a thing now where they they will show you tweets of people uh, who you your people follow. Yeah. So I also, you it's, they've done a good job of also buttressing people against that bubble. Mm-hmm. So. Sometimes. Somewhat. They're doing a better job. A better job than they used to. Because it used to be just straight up, what you followed is what you got in the exact time that they tweeted it. It wasn't. It was like Instagram used to be, where you scroll down and then it got to the end. Yeah, but what I'm saying is it's still, those suggestions are still based on the people that you follow. So I see those too, right? It, yeah. It'll show me a tweet and it will say, this person and 12 other people that you follow, follow this person. So it's still trying to get you a little bit deeper into that circle of like-minded people that, well, that are with you. But when you follow these these legitimate media types, they follow bad people and they follow good people. So you oh, really do get kind of a mix. <laughs> Bad people and good people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they follow assholes. People that are in the good place and people that are not in the good yeah, place. Yeah, like I guarantee fucking T, Maggie... I guarantee fucking T. It sounded weird. Uh, I guarantee that Maggie Haberman follows Steve Bannon, which I don't follow. And occasionally I'll I'll see a, you know, a Grand Wizard of the KKK tweet from Steve Bannon because Maggie... I'm using this as an example. I haven't really seen this. But I might see that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Good. Great topic. That's uh, very interesting. Yeah. I love it when you bring new shit to the table. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen, uh, we're going to move on, but I want to talk about this story very quickly. It's about uh, a school in Michigan, Saline Area Schools. So it's not just one particular school, but at one particular school in the Saline Area Schools in Michigan, there was a Snapchat threat. I don't know how I'm really dating myself here, but there was a Snapchat message thread or some messages were sent over snapchat that were racist about the the football team which is predominant or the the black students on the football team and you were looking at me to help you explain snapchat no but i was looking at you to give me some reassurance that i'm not 
a dinosaur because I don't get Snapchat. I don't know if what you just said about Snapchat is true or not true. Oh, so you're with me. I don't use Snapchat. You're also a dinosaur. That is what I'm hearing. That is not... Am I picking up what you're laying down? That is not how I would characterize it. I just, I don't spend time on worthless things. Douche chill. So... Um, <laughs> Don't look at my screen time. <laughs> racist, yeah. Racist messages sent. And so the community got together, parents in the community and parents who have students at this high school, got together to have a, a, me- a community meeting focused on inclusivity, focused on uh, diversity, focused on anti-racism. And a parent got up and he was telling a story. He's an immigrant to the United States from Mexico. A former mechanical engineer who now runs a restaurant in town. And he got up to tell a story about how his son used to struggle in high school because of racism. When a father, Tom Bertel is his name, Tom Bertel, sounded off in the back, then why did you leave Mexico? I remember when I went to his bedroom to say goodnight, and he was crying because of the abuse that he was enduring in this school system. Then why did you stay in Mexico? That's indicative of what our kids are experiencing. Comments like this. And that's no, he's sharing the story right now. And that's indicative of what our kids are experiencing. You're right. You're right. You got the floor. You got the floor. There is so much going on here. I love, I edited the the audio a little bit because when he was speaking, it was very low. So I wanted to boost that audio. So the moments where there was a volume, uh, a discrepancy in the volume, that was me trying to make it easier to understand what was happening. But you didn't edit for content. Not at all. You just edited for clarity. I didn't, there's no clipping at all. I just boosted levels. But what is fantastic to me is that, and I've watched the video, there's not a person in that room that is on that dick faces side maybe his wife maybe the lady who's sitting next to him who i think is his wife everybody they gasped in horror that he would say such a racist incendiary thing well and that's really that's really what we want right yes is in moments like that to have a majority yeah right rush to support and defend yes someone who is being 
hurt. And it was beyond that. It was get the fuck out of here. You get out. You get out. Right. You don't belong here. Mm-hmm. That will not be accepted. That is anti-racism in effect. Well, you know, you know, when things like this happen, inevitably there's discussion of not just the person, but the person and who they're connected to, right? Like people often have to answer for their spouse or their parents. Oh, right. right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Like they have to. Like if I'm an asshole, you're close to me, they assume, oh, well, she's part and parcel to that. (laughs) Well, how many times do we get a call saying, listen, I heard what you said and you said it. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Exactly. Who said that? That's why we have this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. So this this guy, uh, his son actually posted a status on Facebook. Tom Bertel is the father. And Matt Bertel is the son. Yeah. And so far, this has 13,000 likes and loves. And he wrote, Today, my father asked a deliberately racist question at the Saline Area School's diversity and inclusion meeting. His views of hate in no way represent my own. I stand in solidarity with the refugees and immigrants of the world. So good. Makes me emotional. Yeah, it's it's really great because, well, there's a lot of things happening here, like you said, right? People feel in allegiance to their parents, right? The people... It's a natural biological thing. Right. They're a part of you. You're a part of them. You feel connected and it hurts when... They are different from you when you believe differently, when they're hateful and you're not when you have to distance yourself from them uh, to protect yourself in some way. Right. And so I'm sure that this wasn't easy, but this is something that he's obviously passionate about. Yeah. Right. He didn't need to do this. I mean, I'm sure people would have dug up his name, but it wouldn't have been all over the Internet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he didn't need to do this. And it, he still felt it was important to say, hey, I'm not down with this. This was wrong. The, the, the problem here, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is the fact that, and this is one more instance of something we've talked about many, many, many times since Donald Trump came on the scene uh, in June, coming down the escalator, and moments later saying that Mexicans are rapists, and they're bringing drugs, and they're bringing crime. And I assume some of them are good, but... And some, I assume, yeah, and are good. some, I assume, are good people, right? We've seen a proliferation of public hatred and racism and vile bigotry, unlike we've seen in half a century, and it's been promulgated and promoted by Donald Trump. And this is another example of that. That you know, ten years ago, that guy wouldn't have fucking felt safe in a room filled with people of color saying why didn't you go back to why'd you leave mexico bro that is a trumpian thing that has been normalized and is one more reason why we need to get rid of donald trump in in november 3rd of this year in november you guys it's crazy are you out of your fucking mind? We are we, the election of 2020 is upon us. We are there. We've already had the Iowa caucuses. As much of a debacle as they were, yeah, I they're behind us now. We're moving on to New Hampshire and then Nevada and then South Carolina. 
And don't be afraid to have political conversations with people that you meet. I actually recently met um, a new person recently. New. Were they new to the world or they're just new to you? They were new to me. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say... What are you, fucking new? I don't want to say what their relationship is to me, but let's just say they're a friend. Okay. All right. And now it sounds weird. You like made it all weird. It's not. I didn't make it weird. Anyway, I just. You made it real <laughs> I, w- weird. I was going to say I pay this person for a service, but that would make it even more strange. What is happening? Anyway, so. <laughs> so anyway, uh, she was telling me that until she had a conversation with me about like what we do here she had kind of taken a break from politics Mm. and didn't want to think about it for a while and she said just this week she went back and listened to her first episode of pod save america Mm. in like however long and that she realized she wasn't registered to vote at her address that she's at and she like quickly is getting on remedying that because she needs to vote right i'm glad that you sparked that but not she didn't listen to our show how dare this person well she she made a claim <laughs> we'll just say that uh <laughs> you know everyone has a podcast i don't get offended i when people get it don't. i it get it i'm making matter. a joke yeah a so, hilarious hilarious joke that everyone all across the world right now is laughing heartily about <sighs> <laughs> so <laughs> So, um, anyway, that, and that is, that's what we need more of, right? To have those conversations, encourage people to register to vote, make sure they just check, right? If they're even unsure, because some people haven't been voting and haven't been participating. Don't shame them, right? Don't, don't send them into a position where they feel like further shamed and like they can't talk to you about it, right? When I was having a conversation today, someone didn't understand what the Iowa caucuses were or what the process was like, right? And she was asking me questions about it. And if she had felt embarrassed, right, or I had, like, laughed and said, oh, you don't know? Like, you don't know what's going on? They're going to crawl back into their shell of ignorance. Right, So, And I don't mean that it's a negative or or a pejorative. Right, just not knowing. They don't know. Right, and a lot of people don't know. how. sure. Also, it was all weird this time. Only 28% of people know what fucking Breitbart is. They shouldn't (laughs) feel ashamed because of that. In fact, they should feel proud they don't know. Thankful. It's like when I was talking to my godfather and I mentioned something about the Kardashians and he said, who are the Kardashians? (laughs) And I said, oh my God, what an amazing life you lead, right? Yeah, that that is. That's a a magical, mystical... existence yeah yeah Uh, it's like a unicorn yeah it's incredible i mean i don't watch them but i know who they are i secretly watch them i think you do i think you do get the fuck out i don't watch them oh really so i i don't know how how snapchat works but i watch the 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 kardashians all the time yeah we're talking about like get the fuck complicated black holes and all of a sudden you're talking about how i don't watch keeping up with the kardashians Miley's favorite one is not Kendall. <laughs> Miley? Is there a Miley Kardashian? No, my least favorite oh, one. Oh, my I just least. said it so quickly yeah. that it came out as one word. <laughs> it's a gift. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm not prepared. All right. Oh, God. So listen, we're at 55 minutes and we haven't gotten to Dollamocracy, but that doesn't matter, Brittany Page. <laughs> we're just going to push right ahead with the program and do the do the show as normal.
Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So there's only a couple things we're going to talk about today relative to politics. Go ahead. And I think the first thing that we are going to start out with is your hero, Nancy, right? You're going to sanctify her. Come on, man. You love her. Yeah. She's your... I love her. She's your main... Yeah. How how often have I criticized Nancy Pelosi, not just on this show, but even on YouTube? Yeah. Can I tell you one of the most frustrating things about... We're going to talk about the State of the Union, everybody. Yeah. One of the most frustrating things about doing this... Doing this show? Yeah, but also sharing online sharing posts to the page yeah, yeah. you often you just use the phrase thinking in public to kind of describe yeah, all those different that activities is what we do yeah and what is so frustrating about that is oftentimes i feel as though i need to like qualify everything i say with every little yeah, detail yeah. in order to have the maximum likelihood that people are going to understand what I'm trying to say. Because people filter what I say through their own experiences, using their own biases, and they miss things, right? So, for example... I was going to give them, but go ahead. We shared a tweet to the page, right, about this whole State of the Union, Nancy Pelosi thing. Because what happened was, at the beginning of the State of the Union... The president comes up, Donald Trump came up, and he hands the speaker a copy of his speech. Some documents, I think. Okay, documents, whatever. And she put her hand out to shake his hand, and he did not shake her hand. Right, and then he he immediately handed her the documents, because there's like a ceremonial thing that happens. He's formally invited, he comes and he, I don't know, it's like an RSVP, but it's not like just a copy. There's... There's formality involved. Mm-hmm. And then normally they shake hands because he is now on her turf. The president of the United States is invited by the Speaker of the House and there is ceremony involved. Right. And so so he didn't shake her hand. Everyone was like, oh, he snubbed Nancy. Oh, the drama. Right. And so at the end of the speech, right, everyone's standing up clapping. Mike Pence is back there clapping like a robot. Nancy Pelosi immediately stands up. She's been waiting to do this for like... The whole time, she stands up and just starts ripping it up. Yeah. Well, I think it was one rip. No, she ripped and then set it down and then picked up another batch and ripped again. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. She was going to town. Yeah. A lot of ripping. Yeah. And so we posted- Let her rip, baby. We posted a tweet to the page. I have it here. Okay. While you were talking, I was uh, doing some work on this That's what I was hoping. Yeah. Uh, It's from Max Von Essen. His, His Twitter handle is at Max- at M-A-X-I-Is-Pad, P-A-D. And he says, alert me when at Speaker Pelosi sexually assaults someone, mocks the disabled, tears a child from their parents, pays off a porn star, insults a gold star family, calls Nazis fine people, denies science, steals from a charity, or starts a fake university. Until then, take a seat. Now here's... and." Here's what I believe this was in response to, okay? And I'll give you two examples, okay? I had an older liberal that I know, an older white male who identifies as a liberal, tell me that Donald Trump won the night because because Nancy Pelosi ripped up the speech. Yeah. Okay? We have people that are thinking like that. We have people that are, because of an action that one woman took, it somehow is worse than the hour of lies 
and reality TV, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car that That's was right. occurring yeah, yeah, during yeah. the State of the Union. Giving Rush fucking Limbaugh the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which I've already ranted about. Right. So it was in response to that, but also to the conservatives who were like, it's basically like ripping up the Constitution. I think the tweet was really geared toward the Trump people. Right. And trying to accuse Nancy, right? You have Matt Gates, who's going to file an ethics probe. Funny that you mentioned both of these idiots because I've got clips from both of them. Right. But that's what it was in response yeah. to. In no way is this tweet saying... Nancy, Nancy is a hero. The angel oh. from up high yeah. who has descended upon us to save us and deliver us from evil. Yeah. No, that's not what... That was good. That's not what was happening. From evil. <laughs> Thank you. To that, deliver us from evil. <laughs> that's not what was happening, right? That's not what was communicated. But a lot of people like ran with that and yeah. talked about how she passed the budget, who helped make a lot of these things happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, those people fundamentally don't understand how the budget process works. They don't fundamentally understand how there has to be compromise in government. That Listen, elections have consequences. Donald Trump is fucking president because we didn't get the job done last time. And his some of his budget and some of his agenda is going to get through. Otherwise, people suffer. Otherwise, hungry children who need their SNAP benefits won't get them. People on Medicaid won't have that funded, won't have their payments made for their medical care and might die because of it. It's not as easy as, well, they just, they, they also signed the bill. It's not that fucking easy. Yeah. Running a government, running the United States is a very difficult endeavor. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm But this is one of ranty. those, this is one of those instances where it's just, it's weird how you post one thing and then it like jumps way over here yeah. to where the intent was not, right? And assuming yeah. the worst possible intent on our part, well, right? Well, especially knowing I'm not a Nancy Pelosi fan. I don't think she's good at being speaker. Yes, she understands the strategy of parliamentary procedure of the House and understands that and timing of when to bring things to the floor and all of that. That's great. But they fucked up with impeachment. There is no other way to put it. They screwed the fucking pooch on this impeachment thing. Had they followed, listen, my phone is right here. All they have to do is call Jesse D. Hey, <laughs> listen, Jesse D, what do you think we should do here? Should we rush through the impeachment process, not allowing public opinion to catch up with the information that's being provided? Or should we do what you've been talking about for months? Slow this fucking thing down. Slow this thing down. Wait for subpoena John Bolton. Make a court, make a decision on this, forcing him, compelling him to come and testify. And then... And then the p- public's opinion will be understanding of all of the information. The press will have time to report on all of the testimony. And the Senate will have no choice because of public opinion. But instead, what they do, I know I'm ranting right now, but what they do, they rush the fuck out of this thing. And what do we have? An acquitted and uh, a let off the hook, maniac, criminal, corrupt dipshit as president. Anyway, sorry. That was therapeutic. Yeah, but... It was necessary. Yeah, and these... (laughs) Listen, these conversations continued in the listener-run Dollamore listener group on Facebook where there was disagreement among the listeners on this issue, right? Some people 
were very unhappy with the way in which people were propping up Nancy Pelosi because she ripped up the thing. And that's that's fine, right? I, I agree that it isn't some brilliant move, right? It really is meaningless. I think she shouldn't have done it. Uh, well... But to criticize her for doing it is it just it doesn't it doesn't register right it, it is a relatively when meaningless act although child, children are dying in custody at the behest of donald trump and that's what we should focus on focusing on what the woman did is one sexist and two it's inconsequential in the face of the evil of donald trump one thing that you pointed out to me though is that because nancy pelosi took this action the news cycle was completely dominated by her act yeah, that, and nothing that Donald Trump did, which, right. which actually could be a negative, too, because then there wasn't as much scrutiny, for example, giving Rush Limbaugh the Medal of Freedom, right? Yeah. Or going in-depth and covering the just, I mean, endless lies that were being told. Yeah. F- from how people are finally off public assistance when really he's just kicking people off public assistance yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and taking away their their access, right? Uh, just everything. It, it was horrifying to listen to. It's amazing to me, when this is all over and we're looking back on this, I really will hope, that be? Uh, well, hopefully it'll be January 20th, <laughs> 2021. Just checking in. Um, I really hope that people understand that the man behind the curtain here, especially relative to domestic policy and immigration is a domestic policy, although it does reverberate into foreign policy. Stephen Miller is, is the, he's the, the puppet master here. And, uh, we can never go back to this. This is a policy of abject white supremacy. Anyway, we didn't plan to go here, so not great. So anyway, ripping the speech, it's funny that you mentioned Mike Pence, and it's, I know I'm completely off track now. 15 minutes ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike Pence did the thing you said about, oh, it's like ripping up the, that's actually something that was said on Fox News. The vice president of the United States of America took to Fox News with the three dingai, it's plural for dingus. Oh, yeah. I was like, who is that? He went on with he went on with uh, Ainsley Earhart. Mm-hmm. What about the majority? Okay, the I'm majority. So tired of protecting the minority. Steve Ducey and uh, that Brian clip, Kilmeade. I swear to God, it just It's good, right? Ainsley Earhart, everybody. What about this country? the majority? Okay, the majority. So tired of protecting the minority. So tired <laughs> of protecting Listen, I'm I'm just spent. I've protected the minority for too long. I'm tired. I want to just protect the majority, everybody. It's like, it's like all those people <laughs> who say, I'm so sick of being called a racist. It's like... <laughs> well, we're sick are, of you being a racist. Are you like... <laughs> wait a minute. You're being called a racist so much <laughs> you're that you're of sick it. of hearing it. I think it's time to evaluate why that's happening. Yeah. So listen to Mike Pence on with the... I'm not going to play it again, but the the illustrious individual who thought it was that we defeated communist Japan in World War II, the moron, uh, Ainsley Earhart and her two moron uh, co-hosts. This is Mike Pence, the president, the vice president of the United States, explaining what he felt about Nancy Pelosi ripping the speech. 
were there. You were standing right next to her behind morning, the president. Good morning. Good morning. What was your reaction? Did you realize when she was ripping it up what she was doing? I, I didn't see her do it. I found out just a few moments later, and I think it was a new low. Um, I, I wasn't sure if she was ripping up the speech or ripping up the Constitution. I mean, the, you know, it's, it's clear the contrast here was a president who spent an hour and a half making the speech about America. Mm, and America. Nancy Pelosi in the final moments tried to make it about her. And I think the American people see through. He didn't see her ripping it up. Yeah. He was right next to her. Yeah. And, and she was holding it up. Yeah. So that the camera could see. She looked into the camera, right? Right before she did it. She looked into the camera, looked away, like, oh, okay, I'm just making sure a camera's on me. And here we go, right? And he's he didn't see what she was she doing. She almost did the old nudge, nudge to Mike Pence next to her. L- listen, I couldn't tell whether she ripped up the speech or ripped up the Constitution of the United States. Well, let me tell you, if it's a photocopy of a speech that the president just gave, it's probably a, a, a speech. And she probably does isn't walking around with a, the Constitution of the United States. She didn't just break into the National Archives, you fucking robot dipshit. Come on. Which leads us to the other argument that morons like Matt Gates have been making. Mm-hmm. Morons like Charlie Kirk immediately tweeted that, oh, according to U.S. Code, it's against the law to destroy government records. Listen to Matt Gates. I will be filing charges against Nancy Pelosi <laughs> in the House Ethics Committee. She disgraced the House of Representatives. She embarrassed our country, and she destroyed official records. The law does not allow the Speaker of the House to destroy the records of the House, and the rules of the House do not permit some little temper tantrum just because you all don't right, like what the President right. of the United States says. Listen, I have attended multiple states of the Union. Should I... I'm not going to do it. In my time working for the United States Senate, I had occasion to work to work two different states of the union. Every hundreds and hundreds, maybe a thousand or more copies, maybe more than that. Maybe thousands of copies of the speech are made. So you can follow along as you go. They're thrown away. They're, they're lost. They're soiled. It's not an official government record. It's not like walking into the Secretary of the Senate and burning a filing cabinet filled with priceless uh, government records of the of the the floor of the Senate and their proceedings. Well, and the point of all this really is that they are just using this as an opportunity to rile up the base, right? To- yeah, but it's, it's 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 like a bridge too far. It's like they're going. It's like really only the idiots are going to really believe this. Because this is nonsense that it's an official government record. So they're riling up the base, I'm saying, just by the increasing the hatred of Nancy Pelosi, which is already quite high among among the base. Yeah, I mean, you like her or you don't like her. (laughs) Right? So again, I want to caution against that kind of thinking, right? Because... That's kind of how everyone is acting right now, right? On both the right and the left is if you are not going hard against Nancy Pelosi and talking about how terrible it was that she took this action, well, then obviously you love her. No, Obviously. No, I'm talking about the people who are engaged on the matter. There's not like any anybody who's really driving this conversation isn't like, I really don't know what I feel about Nancy Pelosi. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I'm just saying, in terms of... If you're talking about that 18% who don't know who Breitbart is, then yeah, I get that. 
But I'm also talking about the response to Nancy Pelosi, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how both the right and the left are doing that. There's two sides, right? You yeah. either like Nancy Pelosi or you hate her. Now make your choice, right? Yeah. And what I'm saying is there can be like a gray area. There is, because I don't like her, and I don't give a fuck that she ripped it up. Right, where you can be like, <laughs> no, she's not great, right? Yeah. But like, I don't think she's Donald Trump. Yeah, for sure not. You know? I yeah. Don't... Yeah. I, well, that that for I think that I thought that was obvious, but apparently not. It's not. Yeah. It's not. You're, you're right. It's probably not obvious. Yeah. That I'm not a fan of her. I don't think she's a great speaker. But also, the enemy here is Donald Trump. She's not Donald Trump. Yeah. So. Really? I mean, come on. And that was the point of the tweet that was shared as well. Not great. <laughs> not great. Yeah. Anyway, I'm looking at here the other things on the board to to talk about. And I think, other than just the update that uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Alexander Venman was fired today, was escorted out of the White House, along with his twin brother, mm-hmm. and Gordon, Gordon Sondland. Sondland, which, good, fucking riddance, ding-dong, doesn't know what he's doing. He, he paid for his position he as also, ambassador. Yeah, he, he gave Donald Trump a million dollars and mm-hmm. didn't keep his job. Mm-hmm. They were both fired today. As soon as he is acquitted, as soon as he gave his little victory lap, bizarre speech... Well, rambling thing for an hour and two minutes well and this was the plan this is what he was encouraged to do because yeah, yeah, yeah. just like we know of trump right he was endlessly complaining about these people being in his orbit still yeah. after having testified because he has no discipline he it, can't just wait it out right and made him look bad is really what he's worried about right so yeah. he, he doesn't want those people around and so his team said hey listen we understand you're upset but you need to wait until there's a, a verdict here. Wait until after the trial is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what he did. So let's do let's do this before we leave. I want to play the first minute or so of Mitt Romney's speech bef- before his vote to convict Donald Trump on the one count. The only member of his party. Yeah, that's right. To go against his party. On one of the counts. not In on, any impeachment trial. Yeah, though. that's right. In o- history. Only... The abuse of power count, article of impeachment, not on the obstruction of Congress one. <laughs> Here's what I messed up about that. As I was saying it, I, I looked up because I'm like, not coming out right. <laughs> um, the only senator to break with their party on impeachment ever in history. Yes. He broke party lines. That is right. Yeah. So listen to his speech. Listen, I got a lot of problems with Mitt Romney. A lot. That don't even just deal with politics. I got problems with him. <laughs> is this a mom jeans situation? No. Well, maybe. Maybe that too. But, you know, I... All right, Donald Trump down, Jr. I'll get down on some mom jeans. I'm okay with that. Okay. Whatever. Anyway, just listen to his speech. This is a heartfelt thing. This is not some fabricated, contrived bullshit. He gets choked up. He, there's like a 30-second period, maybe. I, don't, I haven't timed it out. But there's a long period of time where he's trying to not break down and cry. Yeah. And he's not an Oscar-winning fucking actor here. It's goddamn Mitt Romney. (laughs) Um, Listen to this, and then we're going to play the very next day at the National Prayer Breakfast with Donald Trump surrounded by, quote-unquote, Christians and how he responded to Mitt Romney's speech. The Constitution is at the foundation of our republic's success. 
and we each strive not to lose sight of our promise to defend it. The Constitution established the vehicle of impeachment that has occupied both houses of our Congress these many days. We have labored to faithfully execute our responsibilities to it. We have arrived at different judgments, but I hope we respect each other's good faith. The allegations made in the articles of impeachment are very serious. As a senator juror, I swore an oath before God to exercise impartial justice. I am profoundly religious. My faith is at the heart of who I am. I take an oath before God as enormously consequential. I knew from the outset that being tasked with judging the president, the leader of my own party, would be the most difficult decision I have ever faced. I was not wrong. The House managers presented evidence. So anyway, he goes on to talk about the case. That is not a man who took this decision lightly. Now, do I think that he, calc for, for sure, everyone calculates a decision they're going to make, especially one as weighty as this, with historical implications. But to go the very next day to the, to, the, to the national prayer breakfast and Donald Trump, who, by the way, is in a dark fucking place. <laughs> he is not normal Donald Trump. He's not normal cutting up be an asshole, attack Donald Trump. He's in a sunken, dark... He's in the sunken place? Low, isolated. He's in a bad place. I, I feel like that has been the case for a while and that we just haven't seen it because... He's able to put on a, a, a strong boy face? No, because he doesn't grant access. So he's mostly just in his room, like, tweeting and yeah, but now eating this cheeseburgers. Is, now, even in public, he can't help himself. Listen, just listen to his tone. Listen to his demeanor. Listen to this. Talking about Mitt Romney. And also, you know, there was an occasion where Nancy Pelosi said she prays for the president. And I think there's a little dig there, too. As everybody knows, my family our great country and your president have been put through a terrible ordeal by some very dishonest and corrupt people. <laughs> they have done everything possible to destroy us and by so doing very badly hurt our nation. They know what they are doing is wrong, but they put themselves far ahead of our great country. Weeks ago and again yesterday, courageous Republican politicians and leaders had the wisdom, fortitude, and strength to do what everyone knows was right. I don't like people who use their faith as justification for doing what they know is wrong. Nor do I like people who say, I pray for you, when they know that that's not so. <laughs> so many people have been hurt 
Lives we ruined. can't let that go on. And I'll be discussing that a little bit later at the White House. Would you? So this leads us, I guess we're just going to go there. <laughs> he, he, Tell me how he sounds there. You were right. You'd not heard that, right? No. He, he's, he's in a bad place. A fucking switch has flipped. It's, it's a different Donald. It's an even more volatile, crazy Donald Trump. He sounds like a superhero movie villain. Yes. Like unpredictably shitty. Also, it was kind of ominous the way he was speaking. Yes. Now, listen to him. Like it's not the way it should be, and I'll be speaking about this later. The next day at the White House. And he is indicating that we're going to see what we can do about what went on here. Talks about his attorney general. We're going to see what kind of retribution that we can exact upon my enemies. It's not what he said, but it's what he said. They were going to try and overthrow the government of the United States, a duly elected president. And if I didn't fire James Comey, we would have never found this stuff. Because when I fired that sleazebag, all hell broke out. They were ratting on each other. They were running for the hills. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. It's in the hands of some very talented people. We're going to have to see what happens. But I can tell you, in my opinion, these are the crookedest, most dishonest, dirtiest people I've ever seen. They said... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sleazebag, huh? Oh, the, oh, it got worse. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you picked up on that. Mm-hmm. Listen to him and his inf- how he just puts a little stank on it when he's talking about the scum. Oh, God. At the FBI. 100 million to one. This is about me. This is an agent from the FBI. Look how they let her off. 33,000 emails deleted. Nothing happens to her. Nothing happens. It's unbelievable. But think of that. God, Hillary should win. When these guys are investigating Hillary. Then they go to work for Mueller, the two of them. And when Mueller found out that everybody knew that they were 100% this way, he let them go. But they deleted all of their emails and text messages. So when we got the phone, they were all deleted. Could you imagine the treasure trove? They illegally deleted. So they left, they left Bob Mueller. He had the look, but he didn't have a lot of other things. Always had to look. You missed a G-man. And I love the FBI, and the FBI loves me, 99%. It was the top scum. And the FBI people don't like the top scum. So yeah. think of that. 100 million to one, and he's investigating me. And then... That's it. Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder... Do you want the baby back ribs or not, I wonder dude? What... This is a Chili's. He's just everyone sitting there like, oh... Yeah, no, that is exactly right. The reporters in the room did report on that, that there were a lot of like sideways glances like, he's not well. Yeah, like, are we going to be okay here? Are we going to make it out of here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to fucking open up his vest and detonate a fucking, yeah, not not good. He's not in a good place. And listen, 
This is why. Because normally he talks about these same things, but it's at the rally where he like has energy and he's like feeding off the crowd and the crowd is just feeding his ego. And he's like, yes, the 30,000 emails, the bleach, you know, and everyone's like cheering. And right now it's like the scum. And he's like leaning into the mic to really like the scum (laughs) to put emphasis on it. Yeah. (laughs) So listen, we're going to end with this. (laughs) <laughs> let's end with a little uh with a little final segment to lift your spirits in a depressing way taking care of biz so we just talked about how vinman was walked out yeah. Right. And when when Vinman gave his testimony, people were very moved by him because he is an accomplished person and a purple heart recipient. Very respected, well respected, right? Yeah, wounded warrior. Yeah, I mean smart guy. Aside from all that though, just watching him speak, you see that this is a man of integrity, yeah. right? A man that really values his work. He's putting himself at risk. He knew what the risks were. He chose to do the right thing in spite of the risk. That's courage. That is courage. Yeah, but I wonder if he if he knew that this would be the end result, right, of him wa- being walked out. I'm sure he calculated that it was a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, and that makes me sad because you imagine that happening to someone who's done something wrong, right? And one of the most moving parts of his speech is when he talked about how he wouldn't be hurt for telling the truth. He'd be okay. Yeah. I also recognize that my simple act of appearing here today, just like the courage of my colleagues who have also truthfully testified before this committee, would not be tolerated in many places around the world. In Russia, my act of expressing concern to the chain of command in an official and private channel would have severe personal and professional repercussions, and offering public testimony involving the president would surely cost me my life. I'm grateful to my father's, for my father's brave act of hope 40 years ago and for the privilege of being an American citizen and public servant, where I can live free and free of fear for mine and my family's safety. Dad, I'm sitting here today in the U.S. Capitol talking to our elected professionals. Talking to our elected professionals is proof that you made the right decision 40 years ago to leave the Soviet Union and come here to the United States of America in search of a better life for our family. Do not worry. I will be fine for telling the truth. Thank you again for your consideration. I'll be happy to answer your questions. And Donald Trump dares vilify this hero. Well, and that was such a, I mean, listening to that quote now, right, where he says, in Russia, yeah. I would have received serious professional and personal consequences he would have, he, for doing what I'm he, doing. He would have lost his life. And then he went on to say he would lose his life. Yeah. But the suffering professional consequences, yeah. well, you don't need to go to Russia for that. That just happens. That's right. Right here with yeah. a vindictive president because he wants yeah. only people that will support him, lie for him, and tell him that he's doing all the right things. It, it strikes me that people act like – I even see liberals who act like John Bolton is some kind of uh, 
not a hero, but you know, he's, he's brave for, for stepping out against Donald Trump. Well, where the fuck was he during this whole process? Refusing to testify before the House investigators. He could have at any time held a press conference and made everything public. Chose not to because he is a coward. You got Venman here. You've got Anita Hill. You've got Marie Yovanovitch. They are the heroes in all of this. Mick Mulvaney, coward. John Bolton, coward. Every other individual who refused a subpoena from the House of Representatives to get to the truth is a coward. People in positions of power who could have done something chose not to because of their cowardice. And it was low-level people like Venman and like Anita Hill that stood up and did something. They're the taking care of biz today. We'd love to know what you think. Please help us move the conversation forward. Sound off, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voicemail from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.